0: When we come to Julius Caesar, a play that dramatises one of history's most famous events, we already know what's going to happen. What we don't know, as we noted in episode one, is how to interpret what happens. Is Caesar's death something we should celebrate? Is Brutus' death heroic? In this episode, Professor Michael Dobson, director of the Shakespeare Institute in Stratford, addresses these questions and explores how the play makes it difficult to definitively answer them. The place to start thinking about this Roman play is with Rome itself, with Romanitas, the package of virtues and values that noble Romans strive to embody.
1: The notion of Rome, Romanitas, implies a sort of package of ideas that are largely about control, you're supposed to be frugal. You're supposed to be in charge of your passions. You're supposed to be in charge of as much territory as possible. Uh, you're supposed to be uh, able to govern. Uh, you can do military service. You don't complain about pain. You know, there's already a notion of stoicism that is blurring over into the idea of just being a Roman. Uh, and you are supposed to value public attainment above all else. What matters is who you are out there in the forum, what political office you've attained, what military office you've attained.
0: Romans strive to control both themselves and others, especially how others perceive them.
1: Certainly being a successful Roman involves controlling the beliefs and feelings of other Romans. It's being a good rhetorician being somebody who can use the language of persuasion, the main thing you, you need to do is control what happens now. And if you can't control what happens now, you need to control how it's going to be remembered.
0: This struggle to control perception is one reason why it's so challenging to come away from the play with a single message about its events. All the characters are contending against each other to champion their own story about who they are. They take every opportunity to assert their Roman identity as men who are free, fearless and in control. That's why the characters mention their own names so often. When he hears the Senate will crown Caesar, Cassius says he would sooner slay himself than submit to a king, promising, Cassius from bondage will deliver Cassius. When Caesar expresses uneasiness about Cassius to Antony, he adds, I rather tell thee what is to be feared than what I fear, for always I am Caesar. Before the battle, Brutus tells Cassius, Think not that ever Brutus will go bound to Rome. He bears too great a mind.
1: Everybody is competing Uh, to be more Roman than everyone else. Brutus, you know, the last consolation he has is, well, at least I died like Brutus. Yes, I've I've just about managed to live up to my own propaganda.
0: Brutus's sense of self lies in his public identity as a son and servant of Rome. In his first scene, he says of Cassius's plan, "'If it be aught toward the general good,' Set honour in one eye and death in the other, and I will look on both indifferently. And he does meet his death by pursuing what he sees as the general good. As he contemplates killing Caesar, he muses, I know no personal cause to spurn at him, but for the general. He calls Caesar his best lover, his dearest friend. But because he believes that Caesar's death will serve the public good, he puts aside those personal loyalties to lead the assassination.
1: There's this sort of disjunction between inside and outside for him. Um, and of course he overrules the inside because your identity in Rome is entirely public. It's, it's um, who you are in the forum, what title you currently bear within the political system is the only thing that matters
0: but this emphasis on public status means that the general good might not be the only motive for murder. Built into the Roman value of control is the value of controlling others and not being controlled by them, which means there's an inherently competitive quality to Romanitas. Caesar says of Cassius, "'Such men as he be never at heart's ease,' whilst they behold a greater than themselves. For Shakespeare, that unease at being outdone is part of what defines Rome.
1: I think it's one of the fun things about Rome for Shakespeare that there's practically nothing else in Rome except men uh, having these intense rivalries and emulations together. You know, I want to be you and I also want to defeat you. I, I admire you and you occupy the place, therefore, that I need to to take over. Um, yeah, well, I, am I going to hug you or, or stab you in the back or team up with a third party to stab you in the back? This is strictly about what brothers do to each other. This is just about what Rome does to you, what Rome does to itself, what that idea of Rome may cost you. You all have to have some kind of shared ideal of Romanness that's going to prevent you from strangling each other in your competition to become consul for the time being. They're all players in the same game. They're, they share a desire to win at being more Roman than the others in their different ways, uh, to uphold um, a sense of themselves as important Romans Romans, the choice and master spirits of this age, as, as Antony rather sarcastically calls the conspirators, a very risky moment when, when he confronts them.
0: This risky moment occurs when Antony confronts the conspirators just after Caesar's murder. Brutus attempts to direct attention to the purity and goodness of their motives, saying, "'Pity to the general wrong of Rome hath done this deed.'" And yet he says this just after he has told the conspirators to bathe their hands in Caesar's blood up to the elbows.
1: I'd hope that when anybody reads this play or watches this play, they keep an eye out for the discrepancy between the way in which people describe each other and the way in which they describe themselves especially and what they actually do. Uh, Here's a play where people want to sound Roman while they also want to act like barbarians. I think one of the things that's always fascinated me about Julius Caesar is its combination of eloquence, rationality, the measured, plain-spoken, direct way in which people people speak, the way they sound so rational and sound so in control, and yet the traumatic things that they're doing this discrepancy between a kind of rationality and extremes of personal and political violence. There's a veneer of sort of literary respectability about the play, which often is a way in which the characters are masking what they're really doing from themselves and from each other.
0: Brutus feels perhaps the greatest need to hide what he is doing from himself. He is willing to go along with acts of violence as long as he can paint them as selfless and purifying acts worthy of the name Brutus, the name of a family who helped found the Roman Republic itself. Like
1: most Romans in this play, he's absolutely led by his sense of what his own image ought to be and how he ought to be remembered. What adjectives are supposed to come with the word Brutus? and that includes patriot and freedom lover and defender of Rome. Uh, and if he can be persuaded that he needs to defend Rome by killing the leader of Rome, then that's that's what he's going to do. And at the same moment, he's sort of being torn apart by it. It's not easy for him to commit to the assassination.
0: The only way Brutus can commit to the assassination is by perceiving it as a purely virtuous act. The moment something threatens to taint that moral purity, Brutus reacts violently. When Cassius suggests the conspirators swear their resolution, Brutus launches into a lengthy speech denouncing the idea because an oath, he says, would stain the even virtue of our enterprise.
1: We know that Brutus has already sort of talked himself into it, and, but the suggestion that they should take an oath seems to set off the same alarm bells for Brutus as the idea that Caesar should be king. It implies some kind of special religious sanction. He it says, it, no, I want to believe that it's purely common sense that any sensible thinking Roman would see that this is the right thing to do. Uh, and if that isn't the case then we shouldn't be doing it. It's a kind of vanity. I mean, Caesar has spectacular hubris, but Brutus has this very touchy sense that it's much more Brutus to just do it because it's right. You shouldn't have to actually sign up to be a conspirator. Brutus has this deep conviction that what they're doing is idealistic. And the more it, con- the more it deals in ideals, then the better and more powerful it is.
0: Brutus does show courage and nobility in his idealism. As Caesar's close friend, he could probably have enjoyed a powerful and comfortable role under Caesar's reign. Instead, he risks his position and his life to take a stand against Caesar for the sake of the Republic. He says at Caesar's funeral that he would kill himself too to help his country, and there's no reason to doubt his word. But in his idealism, he doesn't simply risk his own life, he risks the success of his cause. Cassius realises that Antony might rise in opposition against them after the assassination, and so he suggests that Antony should not outlive Caesar. But Brutus overrules him, saying, "'Let's be sacrificers, but not butchers,' purgers, not murderers. If they kill only Caesar, Brutus says, then their motives will seem necessary and not envious. Brutus wants to see himself as an honourable protector of Rome, not an envious murderer disposing of a rival. And so he lets Antony live, even though Antony will certainly prove a dangerous rival after Caesar is dead.
1: It's absolutely the kind of almost insane idealism that Shakespeare diagnoses among Romans, especially among Republican Romans. The ideal of Rome, the ideal of Roman honor, is so great and so sacred that to actually think in practical terms would be sort of beneath them uh, and would be. It would stain their cause if they just killed the people who were really going to mess things up for them. That would look pragmatic, whereas what they're doing is noble and definitive. As Brutus is concerned, this great symbolic act, which is supposedly going to immediately bring about an entirely new epoch in which having to worry about whether Antony is really good at summoning an army and dealing with a crowd isn't going to matter.
0: Of course, Antony does turn the Roman crowd against the conspirators, and he does summon an army that defeats Brutus's forces and puts an end to the republic that Brutus held so dear. And yet, when Brutus perceives his defeat and prepares to kill himself, he utters some puzzling words. "'I shall have glory by this losing day,' more than Octavius and Mark Antony by this vile conquest shall attain unto. It's strange that Brutus sees this conquest as vile when it will decide the fate of the Republic. But Brutus seems to believe that upholding political ideals is more noble than carrying out the practical tasks of politics like conquering. He believes that giving his life for his ideals has proved his nobility. And so, to him, the loss is actually glory.
1: Like many tragic characters, doomed characters in Shakespeare, Brutus sees himself as exempt from the social contract. Political ideals are more important than what I owe to my friends, what I owe to my family. They are less significant than my status as the noblest Roman of them all. Uh, I need to carry out this violent act to transform the social structure, and that's more important to me and to my ego than actually um, holding, doing the things that hold society together and that hold the family together.
0: But it's family that reveals that Brutus isn't always the perfect Roman he would like to be. Brutus believes that a Roman should be a Stoic – someone capable of subduing their passions and enduring pain with indifference. We see Brutus's apparent stoicism on display when an officer tells him that his wife has killed herself and he responds calmly with, Why, farewell, Portia. With meditating that she must die once, I have the patience to endure it now.
1: You're not to admit that you're upset by the fact that you've just heard your wife swallowed fire. Yes, well, you knew always knew she was mortal. This is not a problem. Let's get on with business. You know, it's a a, a, a preening moment, a moment of, of showing off your you know your your Brutusy stoical image.
0: But this moment is in fact only a show. Brutus already knew that Portia had died. When he was alone with Cassius earlier, he told him this news and admitted he was sick with many griefs. In front of his men, Brutus puts on an act of calm endurance. But in private, he reveals his pain.
1: In that row with Cassius, you got a glimpse of the fact that he was vulnerable and human and that he was really suffering over the fact that Portia had killed herself. So that sort of broadening out of Brutus into somebody messed up and lost and, 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 uh, and somebody in pain... Uh, can be very, very powerful in that scene.
0: Another powerful scene is the encounter between Brutus and Portia the night before the assassination, when Portia reveals a wound she inflicted on her own thigh as proof of her self-control. She wants to demonstrate her own stoic endurance so that Brutus will see that she deserves a larger role in his life. The problem is that Shakespeare's Rome which values public, political and military prowess, affords little role for women.
1: In Rome, this entirely male public world, women are just kind of shut away at home. Portia, trying to persuade Brutus to take her seriously as an equal, proves that she's a great stoic, not only by wounding herself to show that she can stand pain, like a man, like a soldier, but she wounds herself in the thigh, um, which is a sort of weirdly sexual thing to do. You know, she does this this act of um, self-harm, which looks like a kind of unsexing herself. The only way in which she can work with Brutus is by declaring herself an honorary man, uh, an, an honorary person outside sexuality.
0: Portia also reminds Brutus that she is the daughter of Cato, a Roman senator famous for his stoicism. Her noble ancestry makes her stronger than her sex, she insists. But while Shakespeare focuses attention on Portia's father, he deliberately diverts attention from Brutus's.
1: One thing that's quite important here is that Shakespeare suppresses one key detail, which is that there were rumours that Brutus was Caesar's illegitimate son. Uh, in the play, what Brutus does is symbolically parricide, but it's not definitely genetic parricide. He's not given that simple motivi- motivation of, of you know, being a resentful, illegitimate son um, as always, Shakespeare makes people's motivations more obscure to them and more interesting to us than they ever are in the sources.
0: This way of developing characters, allowing them to have complex, mixed, not fully transparent or logical motivations, is one of the hallmarks of Shakespeare's writing.
1: Shakespeare always complicates the motive we're expecting. You know, if we've been told that Brutus is you know, this glorious lost cause of republicanism. But what we get is a Brutus who doesn't really know what he's doing and finally feels a terrible kind of regret and, and sense of being lost uh, at that, you know, even at the same moment that he's saying, but at least, you know, at least I'm not being taken prisoner. At least I'm still Roman enough to to kill myself. You know, it's, you know, these are mixed feelings that, that you know, Shakespeare deals in mixed feelings. It's It's what makes him better than so many other Elizabethan writers and so many modern ones as well.
0: Shakespeare also leaves the audience with mixed feelings. As we noted in our introductory course, he grew up in an educational system centred on debate, exploring both sides of any question, including the question of whether Caesar's assassination was a good thing. His own play about Julius Caesar sets out many debates between characters and lays out many different perspectives on honour, politics and justice so that the audience must come to their own judgement.
1: Characteristically, it it being Shakespeare, the characters are allowed their own valuations of the situation at at different points. It's not that one of them is definitely given the kind of editorial imprimatur and we're told, oh yeah, he was right. Yeah, you know, one one bunch of people lose the battle, which means another bunch of people win the battle. You know, you know Shakespeare is not the kind of playwright who says therefore this was this was simply a glorious victory.
0: Brutus calls the Battle of Philippi a losing day. Octavius calls it a happy day. Both claim the glory. Where you believe the glory lies depends partly on what kind of play you take this to be. Is Julius Caesar a tragedy centred on one doomed but noble figure? If so, you might see Brutus's death as the play's true climax, an event that marks him as the hero. But you might also see the play as a history, not focused on one heroic death, but on the ever-changing march of events and the ever-changing cast of characters who, like Octavius, are most successful in steering them.
1: It depends whether you think this is a play about the destined, meaningful death of one person who has shaped their own death to make it really say something about themselves. Is this a play about a world that actually cares whether Caesar lives or dies? Or is this just a sort of documentary about something that happened in one particular political system? You know, we know Brutus is going to die. Um, is he simply a sort of as he sees himself, towards the end, the last hero of a great lost cause? Um, Or or is he just a deluded and incompetent politician who made the wrong choices?
0: The question of Brutus' heroism, like many others in the play, has divided readers for generations. You can consider these questions during our next episode as you listen to some of the play's key speeches, including the famous duelling speeches of Brutus and Antony at Caesar's funeral. Today, we see all too well how political rhetoric can inspire and divide, and so we can draw lessons for our own time from Shakespeare's searing analysis of rhetoric's power.